Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. And I'm Rachel. And I'm Ben. And on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, we react to the new Conservative Party leader and you ask us, why will the party still be divided under Rishi Sunak? So we have our third Conservative Party leader in seven weeks, who will be the fifth Prime Minister in just six years of the UK, Rishi Sunak. Now, Rachel, you're speaking to us from a sort of oak-panelled room in Parliament, the only quiet room you could find, but you've just been outside the speech he made to Tory MPs in a private room in Parliament after winning. What was the mood like? What were people saying as they were going in? I think given the vast majority of MPs got behind Rishi Sunak, they were still wanting to make the maximum projection of being just incredibly united and that this is a very settled mm. decision and that this is a party that is not at war with itself. It's trying to put division behind it. So this was the meeting of Conservative Party MPs in one of the committee rooms just near here. Penny Mordaunt entered before him, got a really big cheer from everybody so to the point where they're banging on the desk purposely so people outside can hear. And then <laughs> Rishi Sunak comes in a few minutes later, similarly gets a very big round of applause, lots of banging on desks. And we had some MPs briefing us af afterwards. Just I think for the first 10 MPs that came out, we were asking, oh, what was the mood? What was the mood? And it was just good, very good. Good. <laughs> and, and just watch this. No, it was just, it was very disciplined. I think this is a party that's very aware of just how how damaging this period has been for them as a as an electoral force, really. And the job they have on their hands trying to close that poll gap with Labour now. In terms of the things that he said, you talked about some of those difficult, the, it's a terrible phrase, really difficult choices coming for that spending review next week. And he also talked a little bit about the Labour Party and how. They may seem very unthreatening at the moment, but they're certainly, that's certainly not how the party should view them. Well, it's interesting that MPs who are coming out were trying to sh show a sort of facade of unity because it's been after a weekend of chaos or at least maximum threat because there was this seemingly genuine idea that Boris Johnson could actually come back and his supporters were trying to build momentum for that potential eventuality by saying that he had the required 100 nominations. In the end, he bottled it and it doesn't seem like the numbers or the enthusiasm was there. You could tell that prospect was really exposing the divisions and anger that have been in the party since he messed up his administration. Yes, absolutely. I think it was, it was extraordinary just watching it all unfold at the weekend, getting like 
looking at WhatsApps from people, looking at some of the tweets that were landing, some of the briefings that were coming out. It just felt, it felt like it, they'd rewound back to May, June, July when everyone was trying to tear Boris Johnson down and they were going into their camps mm. and just really doing themselves so much damage. But then it just seemed as the weekend wore on that you had MP after MP from all different wings of the party start to really get behind Rishi Sunak. So you had from Steve Baker and Simon Hoare, who's from the One Nation Conservative Group, and obviously Steve Baker, Brexit hard man of this, I think, uniting for this one op-ed together. Then you saw people like Suella Bravman and Kemi Badalot also get behind Rishi Sunak. And it just slowly became very obvious that nobody else was going to kind of get enough support to to mount any kind of any kind of challenge, really. And I think the I'm always impressed by just how quickly and how completely the Conservative Party can unite. It certainly wouldn't be the case if it was Labour Party. This would have torn them apart for two years minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you saw that with Liz Truss as well in the last leadership election, where when it looked like the momentum was on her side, suddenly you had all of these MPs who had supported Rishi Sunak and other candidates throwing their endorsements in behind her. Ben, what impact does this have potentially on, on the Conservatives in the polls? Because... One of the arguments for bringing Boris Johnson back was that he had won the election in 2019. That meant that he had perhaps more of a mandate with the public than perhaps Rishi Sunak would have. But also every Tory MP has their eye on this terrible polling that the party's had since Liz Truss entered Downing Street, really. Is Rishi Sunak sort of better for them in terms of public opinion or would a return of Boris Johnson have worked better? We are, what, three, four months on from the last leadership election and you would be tempted to think things have changed but in a way they have we have more scandals the Labour lead is at 20 30 40 points depending on which poll you look at but the thing that has been consistent is of course the parliamentary party at least probably splitting for Rishi Sunak he is perhaps the only known face amongst voters or the predominantly known face Penny Mordaunt had some recognition Johnson yeah he had it but it was overwhelmingly negative. The thing with Sunak is his reputation wasn't built up like Johnson's was on scandal after scandal. Rishi Sunak ruined his reputation when he bungled the initial response to the cost of living crisis in his spring statement all that long ago. He was the one that started or dragged the Tory lead on the economy down to the ground. And when he left, already Labour had a lead then. So he is part of the reason why Labour, well, the Conservatives in the doldrums right now, But there are some positives for him. We are at rock bottom. That's not us editorialising. That's not us being dramatic. You know, that we are at rock bottom with the Conservative polling numbers right now. That is Liz Truss here. So for anyone else to come about is, to be honest, a net benefit for you. You may have noticed the Mordaunt campaign, the unofficial briefed Johnson campaign, if there was one, and of course, Sunak. They were all briefing different kinds of polling over the course of the weekend and on Friday, there was a poll for every one of them. Whoever stood, (laughs) whoever became Prime Minister, would have done better than Liz Truss because Liz Truss is at rock bottom. Liz Truss is perhaps the most unpopular Premier we've seen for quite some time. So anyone is a net benefit, really. So, right, here is a little prediction that I'm quite confident of. At the moment, Labour leads the polls by about 25 to 30 percentage points, depending on which pollster you look at. By virtue of not being Liz Truss, you're going to see that lead fall, that Labour lead go down, of course. You're going to see the Tory base rally. Here in Chester, I know the Conservative Association was absolutely shocked and almost quite, they didn't have a positive view about Liz Truss. And they're very much pro-Sunak backers. And <laughs> yeah. They will be much prouder about that in the by-election going forward. You know, that there's a Tory brand they can argue for now. 
There's a Tory, there's a Tory brand they can push towards voters on the doorstep. And what that means is Tory voters now feel like, oh, I can come out the woodwork and say I'm going to vote Conservative now. Excuse me, my cat there. It's, it's going to push up the Tory poll numbers. Will it give us a Tory lead? Probably not, unlikely. Will it save the Conservatives from an inevitable defeat? I do not think so. I, if you go all the way back to 1945 and you look at the polling back then, because there was some hard to get online, but they do exist in these really heavy, thick tomes behind me here. If you look at them, and you'd see how the getting to minus 25, getting to minus 30 in the polls, you never recover from that. You know, you never, not once, has a party, a government that has fallen 30 points behind the opposition, that's fallen 25 points behind the opposition. Not once have they ever come back to win at the next election. So really, if you want, if you want to go for probabilities, if you want to go for maths, really, you could put the probability of the Tories winning the next election now at close to zero. It's between 5% and 0%. Of course, don't rule a 1 in one in 20 chance out, but goodness me, it really is. It's to be- the best hope for the Conservatives now under Rishi Sunak is turning that 30-point route to maybe a 20 or 15 or 10-point route. They could reduce their losses to perhaps they could stay above 200 seats in Parliament. That's the best, I think, initially at least, we're going to get with Rishi Sunak. People are a bit more tribal, aren't they? Now, you've written yourself, Ben, that we're a nation of swingers. It's important that Labour isn't complacent about this. Nothing oh, and also for our listeners, <laughs> no, 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 for people who are listening to this swinger. podcast who aren't watching us, they won't have seen that Ben's cat is has actually joined him for some of this analysis, which is very enjoyable for Rachel and me. But I do apologise. I, I spayed my cat a few weeks ago and she has not left my company at all. It's very sweet, but it's oh. also quite distracting. So. Sorry, Rachel, you were going to come in. I was just going to say that I think this will be a period in which the theatre of Parliament will be back because I could see this is the most united that the Conservative Party MPs have been for a very long time. They certainly weren't united under Liz Truss because the vast majority of them did back her. Similarly with Boris Johnson for quite a long time after COVID, it was quite a divisive figure. It was They were very chaotic and disparate bunch, really. Whereas I think you're going to see a much more disciplined government in terms of just what you'll see as the commons. And I think that you can say a similar thing for the Labour Party. And when you just think back to their conference, that seemed like the most united, most disciplined you'd ever seen the Labour Party either. So I think that the parliamentary games, PMQs, all of the kind of big sessions that you see in Parliament are going to be really watchable and really quite dramatic, I think, in the months ahead. Yeah, and while we all of us, of course, enjoy the drama, one of the issues, I think, with what's happened to the Conservative Party lately is that the public feel completely disconnected from it. So we haven't had any statements or interviews or even policy announcements from Rishi Sunak this time round. And that's a point you made in Morning Call this morning, Rachel. The public is, it hasn't had any scrutiny of the kind of policies that Rishi Sunak's going to introduce. So we don't know whether he's going to put national insurance back up. That was his policy. That's been scrapped. Whether he's going to raise universal credit in line with inflation, whether he's going to change the energy support plan again, because his policy over the summer was to scrap VAT on domestic energy bills. Will there be a return to austerity? The indications suggest so. He said he'd take a tough stance on public sector pay, but that was over summer. You know, a lot has changed since then. So it's difficult for the public to know what they're getting. And actually, when Liz Truss resigned, I was out reporting in Middlesbrough, and this is a town in the northeast that you might count as a sort of red wall constituency that's still in Labour hands, but trending Conservative perhaps over the last few general elections. And the feeling there was one of relief when Liz Truss had announced that she was going, but also complete bafflement that they didn't get a say 
on who comes next. Now, we all know that's not how the system works, but that doesn't stop there being a lot of frustration among the general public. And, you know, I was speaking to people there, one man who was a retired postman in his 60s who never voted Labour in his life before was telling me it should be the public who get to choose the Prime Minister, not the Conservative Party. And he really felt that the Conservative Party had messed things up and was furious. So I know Labour are leaning into this enthusiasm for a general election, but I think it is a fair stance to take in terms of the frustration that I feel from my reporting is out there. Ben, is there any indication in the polls of the appetite for for a general election? Oh, 100%. You have some polls as high as 60, 70 something percent saying they want a general election soon. They, they, the past four months has instilled a feeling of chaos amongst voters. And if you ask people who've recently stopped voting Conservative, what is the primary reason? To be honest, recently, it's not the cost of living crisis. It's not the economy. It's actually just the political chaos in Westminster. It really has this drama story, which we have covered extensively for excellent traffic over at the New Statesman website. We, It's really It's so much so that this is what people are annoyed with. And so they want to have a say on it. They want a general election. That's why I'm going back to a point I made previously. That's why I think the arrival of Rishi Sunak may mean some form of calm. Now, of course, there's going to be issues with the potential return of austerity 2.0. No answers to the cost of living. GDP numbers could be bad. But at least, as Rachel said, the Tory parliamentary party is going to rally around him, hopefully, probably. So there's going to be some form of calm. So there's going to be some form of end to the political chaos, which actually may relax enough voters. We should really continue polling on whether there should be a general election in the next few months. Keep asking that yeah. after a few months of Sunak. I don't know whether it will stay in majority territory. I think it probably will. Mm-hmm. This feeling that you haven't had a say will probably persist. But potential end to the... 24-7 coverage of chaos may soften those yeah. numbers somewhat and indeed push up the Tory poll, Tory party's poll ratings as well just a little bit. Yeah, and Rachel, just before we move on to the second section, I was just going to ask you, how is Labour feeling about going up against Rishi Sunak? It's their strategy. It seems to associate him with that chaos of the Johnson age as his right-hand man. But when I'm out and about speaking to people, I often hear his name uh, in association with the pandemic support that he brought in. And that's seen quite favourably by people still. Yeah, I was just going to make a broader point about that that mood for a general election, first of all, because I think it's, I think that the Rishi Sunak hasn't helped himself in the last couple of days, actually, by not making any public statements, by not making, I think he put a tweet out and then he's just, then people watched him walk out of his house on a, a Sky News camera or a BBC camera, not making any speeches. And now his first speech as Prime Minister, as he's just been elected, was behind closed doors. The group of Conservative Party MPs who have just given him his new and most powerful job in the country. And I would also say, in, in addition to all that, how this, how they can avoid calls for a general election is they're going to have to stick very stick hard and fast to talking about the, the 2019 Conservative Party manifesto. And I think the, if they start to just make it, start to drift away from that, drift away from a sense of mission... I think the government, the the people in this country feel like they don't have a grip and don't have, are not able to have a way to start holding the government to account for the things they're doing, for the things that they voted for in the first place. So I think a lot of people have had this view over the last couple of days that oh, because of the economic crisis, that that the that of course Rishi Sunak doesn't have to talk about the manifesto. I think it's quite the opposite actually. I think that they will hate calls for a general election if they just ignore everything that came before and assume that they can continue with their mandate. In terms of how Labour's feeling, I think one of the things that they'll try to rely on with Rishi Sunak is that he's an incredibly wealthy individual 
perhaps somewhat unrelatable for people. The sort of received wisdom on that is that voters quite like people, leaders who are rich and they don't have a problem with it. But I think if, I think there is a level of rich, there's a millionaire and there's a billionaire. And then there's a billionaire who's billionaire wife rather, who had non-dom status. So that kind of just level of feeling removed. I think it was, it's the kind of elitism that turned voters away from the Remain campaign. I think that kind of feeling of just not having much skin in the game. And I just wonder if that might be a problem for Rishi Sunak and that might be something that Labour seizes on. But I don't think they're, I think out of the two that were left, they're probably happier with Sunak than they would have been with any more. Right, that's really interesting. And we'll keep an eye on whether that was the right calculation as as Rishi Sunak becomes Prime Minister. Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to the New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. From the New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Featuring writing from our authors, including Edward Docks on the death of Boris the Clown. When did the booing start? He was never exactly sure. A year inside GB News with Stuart McGurk. One presenter told me that producers had taken to booking their own parents. May Robson on why women's football is the more beautiful game. Like most of the England squad, the Euro 2022 captain Leah Williamson can't afford not to have a plan B. Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads published every Saturday morning. Just search audio long reads from the New Statesman wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too, Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now it's time for a section we like to call You Ask Us. You Ask Us. So our question today is from Elizabeth, who is, she, she says she's an upstate New Yorker. Wow, thanks for listening. And crucially, a woman as well. So she listened to Harry's call last time for questions from women. Thanks for writing in. She asks, why are there Conservative MPs who don't like Rishi Sunak? She says she's heard this mentioned in coverage, but no one explains why. I think this is actually a really good question because from the casual observer, I'm sure you've had this from people that you speak to who don't really follow politics in the most in the obsessive way that we do. Rishi Sunak kind of looks like the obvious choice for the Conservative Party. But of course, he's not universally liked among MPs. And in the leadership election we had before, the one earlier this year, out of the Tory MP electorate of about, I think it was 358 MPs, he won 137 votes. So while he received more votes than Liz Truss did from MPs, it wasn't a majority of MPs like Boris Johnson got in the fifth ballot 
in 2019. So this time around, he did reach that majority of MPs, but it was just before nominations closed, I think less than three hours before they closed. And that suggests there isn't anywhere near a kind of unanimous support for Sunak within the party. And we should go through the reasons why. I mean, firstly, there's this perception from Boris Johnson allies that he stabbed the former prime minister in the back and his resignation was the reason for his downfall. That's put off a number of people. But then there's also an ideological thing, isn't there? This idea is built up that he's not a true conservative. His national insurance rise wasn't very popular with some Tory MPs, not only because it would be breaking a manifesto pledge, but also they viewed themselves as a low tax party. And I mentioned his pandemic support in the first half. While that was very popular, still is very positively seen, there was still discomfort among some Tories that it was a sort of big state style policy solution. And, you know, there was a little bit of anxiety about that in the party. And that's why he developed this reputation when he was up against Liz Truss of being the kind of left candidate, even though he was the Brexiteer and the sort of fiscally dry candidate. Rachel, what are you picking up about that opposition to Rishi Sunak even now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they hated the fact that he wanted to put corporation tax up. I think there was a level of, because Rishi Sunak was a Brexiteer, and, but he doesn't feel like he's a Brexiteer because he's to a lot of people who are of the ERG group, who are of that kind of hard Brexit group, who's like, vision for the country was just this sort of Singapore on Thames. And then they had Chancellor who was prepared to hike up corporation tax and was prepared to introduce the furlough scheme and things like this. And that's that's not the kind of free market, free enterprise kind of libertarian Singapore on Thames vision that they that those Brexiteers would prefer. And that kind of I think that feeling has just not sat well with them for the last couple of years. And in I think there's a red wall versus blue wall situation there as well. So it's sometimes it's just about those little personal relationships. He's on the ground as well. But I also was chatting to Therese Coffey, who still is the Deputy Prime Minister to the outgoing <laughs> Prime Minister, Liz Truss. And she was, she's, she, she's very much of that kind of low tax libertarian wing of the party. And she was asked, do you, she was asked by one of the journalists here, oh, do you, do you think that Rishi Sunak is an election winner, Therese? And she, and she kind of dryly and, and sort of witheringly <laughs> said, well, um, well, he's won an election this week. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of... <laughs> wow, savage. That sort of... <laughs> the, the, those divisions are still there and they're not, even if they're very calm at the moment, have not gone away. Interesting. And Ben, do we get any idea of the kind of trouble that might be coming down along the line for Rishi Sunak when he gets into his premiership? Rishi Sunak is coming into a job that imagine Downing Street being on fire and you're coming to take over the job after. That is what he's coming. He's coming in. Jeremy Hunt came in as janitor-in-chief last week. Rishi Sunak's coming in. Oh, it was last week, wasn't it? Rishi Sunak is coming in immediately, not just after the party, but after the bombing and destruction and flattening. Your entire reputation, the Conservative Party brand, is in tatters. You are at rock bottom. The only way is up. Yes, of course, you will get a bounce, probably. I'm feeling more confident now the more I say it. I, I think Rishi Sunak probably <laughs> will get a bounce in approval because by virtue of not being Liz Truss, by, by virtue of actually attempting to establish a layer of perceived competence, even though it may actually not bear out in, in, in reality. The challenge is... For Sunak, primarily is very much he is disconnected with the country on what it feels right now. I've made I've mentioned this in previous podcasts before at the New States, we've all written about it pretty extensively, how the country is not what it used to be at when the Conservatives initially came in. We are not a country of scroungers versus strivers as we used to be in 2008, 
through to 2015. We are not exactly married to tropes like that as we used to be. The idea of debt and deficit being the definition of what the economy is to voters ain't that anymore. So trying to import form of austerity 2.0, Cameronism, Osborne economics, whatever you want to call it, on the country like it did, like it was successful, 2010 to 15 won't wash with the country as much, if not all, as it used to. And Sunak is quite married to that, isn't he? he? As you say, low tax. He doesn't exactly feel like your quintessential libertarian, though, does he? He doesn't exactly attend those freedom associations, those taxpayers' alliances. He's not like a David Davis. He's not like a Philip Davis or a Philip Hollibone or even pre-UKIP Douglas Carswell, really. He's not like that. He's, a, he's very much different. He seems a bit more, he acts and looks Cameroon really. And perhaps he seems more accustomed to yeah. giving TED Talks than after dinner speeches <laughs> where the fee is £100,000 <laughs> from where? I don't know. We didn't, I don't think they know either. This is the thing. He will struggle to perhaps land with the country because he could perhaps not can connect with them. But if he can put across an air of competence, he will succeed. However, the very ground, the very issues he likes to argue on, the very issues he will be pushing, the economic reality he will try to get onto this country is one in which the country will disagree with quite strongly. Nonetheless, he will be seen as competent, which will help him. However, the issues do not favour him. So that, that, that will be the primary fighting the battlefield that will come. That's Labour's problem. They've got to look competent. They've got to look ready. Half of the drive in the poll surge for Labour is by virtue of them being better than Liz Truss, being better than Rock Bottom, being better than Boris Johnson. But half of that of course, also is actually they put out some pretty good policies, well received of the public, and Starmer is beginning to improve his image. Nonetheless, though, they've got to do more. They've got to look more competent, and uh, Rishi Sunak will be competing with Labour for that, at least, in the future. But also has to give off a sense of like vibrancy. So I could see someone like Rishi Sunak being quite quite appealing to some younger voters that were previously quite loyal to Labour. I could see him, he's got that sort of tech bro feel. You could see yeah. him like, yeah going talking about jobs of the future and that appealing to quite a few younger voters in more urban areas that the conservative voters have struggled with for a while be interested to see how what they do on research and development and those kinds of things if they really what kind of age groups that conservative party will start to really target at the next election the thing about young people is we tend to think they're all labor voters 60 70 percent of them do tend to vote labor but that is of labor voters that turn out and they are overwhelmingly yeah. mm. graduates. They are overwhelmingly uni students. There's about a good chunk of young people who don't turn out to vote, who don't go to university, who normally stay in the town in which they were born in. And they're a lot more socially, I wouldn't say right wing, but a le less socially progressive than the average young person. They are a, a kind of voter that are normally quite, yeah, as Rachel says, quite enthused by perceptions of being aspiration, quite independent, quite getting on. And Sunak, the thing with Cameronism, Osborneomics, is they try to dress up rugged individualism in a modern light. Whether or not it was successful or not, that's for other people to debate. But there is, there can be an appeal for that in this country still. And I'm not saying Sunak will win the next election, but I am saying he can definitely pull that Labour lead down. Yeah. Well, ironically, that was Liz Truss's read of young people, wasn't it? As Airbnb-ing, Deliveroo-eating, Uber-riding freedom yeah. fighters. All right, well, thank you both of you for taking the time out of what has been a very busy news day. And I will speak to both of you on the podcast soon. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anoush Shekelian, and my colleagues, Rachel Wearmouth and Ben Walker. We're produced by Adrian Bradley and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. 
thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to leave us a nice review and subscribe. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.